Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about the song Mary sang after she found out she was pregnant with Jesus. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to invite you to be a part of all of our Christmas celebrations. We have four separate events coming up this month. They're all different, and I think they're all pretty cool. And I hope that you'll be at each and every one of those things. You can learn all that you want to learn about those events, what they are, when they are, where they are, all of those things, by going to wilsonville.church events. I hope you'll check those things out and consider joining us. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to this sermon. I really do hope it'll help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I've, uh, I've worked really hard on something this Christmas season, and that is to watch as many of the Hallmark movies as I can. Uh, I know, if my sermons, uh, thank you, the, all the women in the room are like, oh, I always knew I liked this guy. Um, but uh, I, uh, if any of my sermons have been bad, it's because I'm trying to get as many in as, as possible. And uh, I, I like them partly because I don't have to pay attention to them and I pretty much know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, I could tell you all the stories right now with just one giant plot. Except for they got this weird thing going on uh, where they, they call it like movies and mysteries and the plot's slightly different and I'm almost annoyed. It doesn't snow every time they kiss. It's like, what's, like this, is, this is not right and you're not the same actors and actresses. Uh, but there's this one theme that runs through all of them that I, that I really like and that I think all of us like. And I think uh, it's one of the reasons that, that we should celebrate Christmas. Uh, and that is th- this kind of reversal theme that happens in all of them. In the traditional ones, right, like the, the, the real ones, there's always a reversal in the romantic interest, right? Like they meet because he's going to help fix her flat tire and she calls him sexist. And he says, no, I'm not sexist. My wife just died, you know, and they hate each other for a little bit and all their wives are always dead it's crazy but uh but then they but then over time because she gets stuck or he gets stuck in this little Christmassy town then all of a sudden they fall in love and there's this great reversal from hating each other to to loving each other and getting married in the two days that they you know have known each other it's amazing it's like middle school almost um but even in even in the the movies and mystery ones there's this the same theme of, of reversal. And it's like, like usually the hotel is going to go out of business or some people know the literal movies. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Uh, or the soldiers are not going to be able to come home or, you know, the town is going to have to stop being Christmassy because a developer is going to come in and ruin it, you know. Like, and then at the very end, it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden there's a donation or the soldiers magically won the war or whatever. And all of that without any other plot line, just, just there's nothing else. There's no in between. It's like the town shutting down and then, oh, rich guy gave money and now we, we are going to stay. And everything turns from really bad to really good. That's, that's kind of the, the hallmark story in a nutshell. I don't know how it goes during the non-Christmas season, but I think it's usually just really bad to really good and that's all you need to know. We're drawn to these stories, but I don't think we think of Christmas as one of those stories because we live on, on the other side of the reversal. But Mary, as she concludes this song that we've been studying in this series, she ends basically with a, a section of this song that people have called the great reversal. It is 
all about the reversal of fortunes for people because Jesus was coming, because Jesus came to earth. And here's, here's my proposition for the, this morning. It's very simple. I'm not going to keep you a long time today because there's only 48 hours, as was told to us earlier, until Christmas. Uh, but, but here it is. Ready? It's this simple. The birth of Jesus brought a great reversal. And the birth of Jesus can bring a great reversal to you. Here's what Mary says in Luke 51 through 55, the rest of the song. And by the way, tonight at our candlelight service, we're going to read the entire song together. And I think it's going to be cool. We're going to kind of splice it together with a psalm. I think it's going to be uh, unique and good. And so make sure you join us tonight. But here's how this song finishes. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So the first thing here that, that Mary points to is this this idea that God is doing mighty deeds with his arm. And arm is an anthropomorphism, which is just a, a human way of describing God. We don't actually picture God with arms. Uh, we don't actually, we shouldn't maybe actually picture God the Father with any uh, physical traits. He is a, a spirit. And, and Mary, you know, not understanding that Jesus it would be God in human form, it's just looking at God and saying something true about him through this kind of metaphorical language. And what she is Connecting the coming of Jesus to, in, in the single word arm, is God's active work in humanity. That's how it's used throughout the Old Testament. You can read in Exodus 6, 6, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And, a, and mighty acts of judgment. In Acts 13, 17, it says, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led him out of that country. It's the same idea. Uh, the Exodus is a great representation of, of how the Jewish people thought about God's strong arms. He, is, he has created them, and he is sustaining them. He is taking care of them. And so Mary looks, I love this, at, at God in, in the conception of Jesus. Remember, he's not even born when she sings this song. And, and, and she connects it to this theme that runs throughout all of history for God's people. That with his strong, righteous, mighty right arm, he is taking care of his people. And what I love about this here is that Mary expands her focus from herself to the Israelites and really to the world as a whole. This is a shift in her song from, from being personal and individual, focused on what God had done for her, to being really focused on what God had done for all, has done in the coming of Jesus for all of humanity. Now, I don't think we can really celebrate Christmas if we don't make that shift ourselves. I know as modern American individualistic people, we really struggle to think about what God did for all of us. We really just want to know what God has done for me. That's how we're kind of wired. What's in it for me? 
But the story that Mary tells for us here is that while God had done great things for her and does great things for us as individuals in the coming of Jesus, this is not just a great reversal for us, it is a great reversal for all of humanity. And it means that all people can experience a great reversal in their lives. You see, what what is unique about this kind of shift is that Mary is like, this changes my life, but I recognize that it can change everybody's life. It's that big of a deal. I, I said last week that, that we should remember that the coming of Jesus was a great thing. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe this Bible stuff that, that it says about Jesus, all this, maybe all this is just you know, uh, garbage to you and you don't care about it all, you still have to admit that the coming of Jesus was perhaps the most incredible thing that has ever happened to our world. I said last week, and it, it's worth repeating again, that, that hospitals almost always contain some type of Christian reference in the name. And there's a reason for that. It's because Christians start hospitals because they want to be like this Jesus who came to earth and acted as the great physician. The greatest feeding organizations and, and disaster relief organizations, they're, they're tied to Christianity because people know what Jesus did when he came to earth and they say, I'll walk into the mess of humanity and do my best to be like Jesus. Uh, the coming of Jesus was, was one of the greatest things that the world has ever known. I would say that it's the greatest thing the world has ever known. But even if you don't believe in all the stuff I believe in, you must admit that the coming of Jesus was a great thing. And Mary now says it's not just a great thing for us as individuals. She points to what I've just said. It's a great thing for the world as a whole. The, the birth of Jesus brought a great reversal. I stole that line from a sermon that I listened to a couple months before I I started this series. There's hardly any sermon series on this song. There's sermons, but hardly any sermon series on this song. And and this one sermon series that I listened to, just the whole sermon, he preached a whole sermon, this guy, on, on this being, this moment pointing to Jesus being the great reversal for all humankind. And what's so cool is that when you flip the pages of Luke, this gospel called Luke, written by a historian that did his best to to gather all the facts about Jesus. When you look at his story as a whole, you begin to see that not just the coming of Jesus tells this story as a great reversal, but the entire life of Jesus tells the story of a great reversal. It's an incredible theme. You don't have to think very hard to think about how Jesus reversed the fortunes of people, right? I mean, people that that we would never have known about are in the Bible because of the work Jesus did for them. He he touched and healed lepers and he, he healed blind people that society had kicked to the curb and there's this woman who's bleeding and she'd been bleeding for years and years and years and nobody, she couldn't even had, she couldn't have had physical contact with her family. She probably couldn't have cooked them dinner. She probably couldn't have sat on her own furniture. And Jesus heals her, he reverses her fortunes. Jesus looks at the poor and the broken and the outcast and the hurting and the struggling, the mourning and the kick to the curb. And he says, I'm here to reverse your fortunes. That's pretty incredible. And the way Mary describes it here is that the proud, powerful, and prosperous will be scattered, brought down, and sent away empty. And the humble, hungry, and hirelings will be lifted, filled, and helped. She says that Jesus coming, even his conception, has brought about a great 
reversal. Now, this isn't primarily about being wealthy or poor, and you, you see that in the book of Luke and, and all of the Gospels, really. It's not uh, these books that we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are not political in nature. They are religious in nature. They are to teach us things about our spiritual lives. Uh, the focus is religious for Luke when he talks about the poor versus the rich. He is talking about the humble poor and the arrogant rich and we know this because he points to the inmost thoughts which is more literally just the hearts these people are haughty they are prideful in their hearts this is what Mary has already described about those who will see a great reversal and those who won't she said in verse 50 his mercy extends to those who fear him and basically now Mary is using synonymously those who will fear him with those who are poor and disenfranchised in our world. Uh, this is a portrayal of the people who oppose Jesus. Uh, the rich are, I should say, a portrayal of the people who oppose Jesus and therefore the purposes of God. This isn't about being wealthy or not wealthy, but it is about being prideful so that you don't turn to God and embrace the great reversal, or poor and humble so that you do turn to God and embrace the great reversal. Now think about that just for a minute. I mean, because the, there's a reason that Mary uses these terms because first, God does care about the poor. And that is seen throughout the story of God as recorded in the Bible. God cares about the poor and we should care about the poor as a consequence of that. We should care about the poor because God cares about the poor. But there's this other truth that runs through scripture that is seen here. Power and wealth can be dangerous to our spiritual lives. Pride will prevent you from receiving God's mercy. And if you think about Jesus just in terms of reversing fortunes, if you have a great life, if you're wealthy, you're prosperous, you're powerful, you're respected, and you see this person named Jesus who can reverse your fortunes, you go, I don't really need my fortunes reversed. I don't need a great reversal. Jesus makes very clear that it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God and I think it's connected to this very thing. The rich often look at God and the opportunity they have through Jesus and say, well, I don't really need it. They may not vocalize that. They may not say it out loud, but they feel it. They, they think it's somewhere deep in their conscience, right? Like, I don't need a great reversal. But the poor and the broken and the disenfranchised who have filled up the church since its beginning go, well, absolutely I need my fortunes reversed. I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm lost, I'm a sinner. And I will turn my attention to Jesus who can change things for me. Mary is celebrating here, though. Right, so this isn't like her just, just throwing out theology. This is her celebrating. This is exciting and this is meant to be something that we celebrate too and what she is celebrating is that the mighty work of God would lift and help those who humbly fear and follow him and there's something in this passage I love and I don't know if you'll love this but I'm going to say it anyway but it's this the verbs are all in the aorist form that's a Greek form of verbs that's past tense they're all past tense 
And it's as if Mary is, is looking and saying, the conception of this baby who is inside of me guarantees the things that I am now celebrating. There is no chance that God will not fulfill his promises. There is no chance that we can't place our hope in God. There's no chance that all of the things that God has prophesied and, and, and promised in the Old Testament are not going to come true now. Think about the situation for Jewish people. I mean, God had, had promised that they would be a mighty kingdom and that they would have a ruler who would reign and set things right and make everything good. And then seemingly God had gone silent for over 400 years. And there, I, I mean, this has got to be like, is he really going to do these things? I think we live a little bit like that right now. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen a great revival in this country, since we've seen, you know, th- the miraculous work of God on a corporate kind of national level, right? And so we go, is God, is God still listening? Does he still care? Is he still paying attention? And Mary finding out she's pregnant with the Son of God now looks and says in the past tense that all of these great things are going to happen. This is the fulfillment of God's promises and and the coming of Jesus assures that the great reversal will take place. If she had ever questioned before, now she no longer questions whether God is going to do the great reversal. I think O Holy Night describes the great reversal pretty well. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I mean, before Jesus, and maybe this is hard to see, there was no way out of our sin. We were slaves to our sin. We were slaves to death. We were going to die and, and we would stay dead. I mean, before Jesus, there was, there was really no hope of eternity, at least for those who were not Jewish. And there was no joy when circumstances were bad and, and there was no relationship with God. I mean, think of this. Think of if you just had no ability to access God and you really believed that when you prayed, it went nowhere and that there was nobody listening and Jesus shows up on the scene and Mary says all who fear him who are humble enough to fear him and embrace him can have their fortunes reversed the birth of Jesus brought a great reversal and it can bring a great reversal to you and then she does this incredible thing she connects it all to the mercy of God and then she connects it to Abraham and then she connects it to the promises of God Last week's sermon was all about mercy, and so I'm not going to rehash it. If you are interested, you can go on our website and listen to that sermon. I think mercy is an incredible topic, but, but just one thing I'll, I'll, I'll repeat here this morning. Mercy, biblically, is a feeling of sympathy with misery, active compassion, the desire of relieving the miserable. Mercy is God looking down on us and seeing that we needed a great reversal, and not just staying in heaven and saying, well, that's too bad, but saying, I will do something I will do something to reverse the fortunes of these people who, by the way, have completely rejected me by their sin, who have rejected me in their attitudes and their hearts, who have turned their backs on me. I still will do something to reverse their fortunes. Abraham reminds us that the coming of Jesus is not a change or deviation in God's plan. This has been a plan forever. It's always been the direction that God is headed 
It's like if you think of it in terms of a Christmas gift, this is us receiving the Christmas gift, but it's not like God went out the day before and said, I'm gonna buy something. Like he, is, he has been working and planning towards this Christmas gift for, for most of human history. I think we do this, this thing as, as Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians. We, we sometimes uh, think that Christianity was this, this kind of turn in the history of God's work with people. And what we should believe is that Jewish people turned off the path of God's work in human history. And we who follow their Messiah, our Messiah, Jesus, have stayed the course and followed the path that Jesus, that God was always on to save us from our sins. When Jesus came a couple thousand years ago, he did not start a new religion. He did not start something new. He continued what God had been working towards his purpose forever, the salvation of people so that we might once again enter into a full and healthy relationship with him. And then this last part, the coming of Jesus fulfills promises. I love this. I, I wrote about this uh, in the devotional. We've been giving away uh, devotional material every week. Grab one of those when you leave today. There's a, a little longer devotional entry for Christmas so that maybe you can read it with your family. And what I chose to wrote about, write about for uh, that entry on Christmas Day is how Christmas is a fulfillment of God's promises. And I'm not gonna read it this morning, but there's this wonderful passage of scripture in First Peter that I quote in that devotional where Peter talks about how all the people who wrote down the things that we know as the Old Testament that pointed towards God's salvation, they were desperate to know who Jesus would be and how he would accomplish his work. And we who sit on the other side of it, we get to know we don't have to look. We just turn to the story of Jesus. And Mary recognizes that in the conception of her son. It's like so many people before her, her ancestors had longed to know how God was going to save the world, who God was going to save the world through. He had made all of these promises about the great reversal for all people. And Mary, Mary looks inside and she recognizes that this baby that she now carries is the fulfillment of those promises. That's so cool. I, I, I just thought of it this way. I thought about my wife and I going to Hawaii this summer, and we had had the trip planned for about a year and a half, right? And, and you, the buildup to a trip is fun. It's exciting, but it's not the same as the trip. And, and you spend all this time planning and preparing and, and being excited about it. And then you're, you're there, right? And you're in the midst of it. And, and I think the best vacations are ones where you just turn and you go or you stop and you pause and you think, man, it's just as good as I hoped. It's just as exciting. I'm having just as much fun. I'm just as lazy as I was preparing to be when it comes to Hawaii. I'm here. This is happening now. I, I love, for me, it's, it, the most specific moment is when you get on the airplane. I love flying now. I didn't used to, but it's the only place in the world where I can't get anything done because I'm too cheap to pay for internet. And so it's like the only place where I don't feel any responsibility at all is flying. I haven't flown with my children yet. That might change. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, when we do, it might ruin it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just feel this, this weightless. And when you're going somewhere fun and you get on that plane and it takes off, it's like I'm really going now. And that, that's the moment that Mary is having here. All of these promises, all of the hope of going, experiencing, knowing what God was gonna do for the world, now all of a sudden it's like she's, 
she's on the airplane and she knows that these promises are sure because even the conception of Jesus brought about a great reversal. Now, what is that great reversal more specifically? And I just would point to a few things. First, the teaching of Jesus demonstrates this reversal. I mean, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? In one of his most famous lines. And he spends a lot of time teaching in such a way that it says the first will be last and the last will be first. Another Jesus quote. The life of Jesus, as I've already described, demonstrates this reversal. Uh, No longer are the outcasts outcasts, but they can be brought into the family of God. The death of Jesus demonstrates this reversal. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus died in order that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might have the hope of eternity, that we might enter into a relationship with God even though we broke the relationship with God. His death demonstrates this great reversal in all that it offers us. The resurrection of Jesus demonstrates this reversal no longer do we have to fear death no longer does death have a hold on us as it says in the book of first corinthians where O death is your sting it's gone now because jesus came back from the grave the exaltation of jesus demonstrates this reversal he now rules and reigns in heaven and, and he is sitting up there working for the good of all who love him something i'm going to talk about in my sermon next week on prayer and we can, all, we can all take part in this great reversal. It was a great reversal for all mankind. I would say it this way, the spiritual stuff, the church stuff, and the eternity stuff. The spiritual stuff, I mean like right now, if you'll give your life to Jesus, if you will be humble enough and fear God enough to give yourself to Jesus, to say, Jesus, I believe you died and came back to life, and so I will give you my life. If you'll do that, I promise, because I've experienced it, and I know a lot of other people do too, have too, joy, hope, peace, love, things that you desperately long for, even when life sucks, that's the great thing about Christianity. Now, there's a lot of people who are on TV that are, that are Christians that say like the great reversal is you can have everything you want. You can have your health and your prosperity and everything will be great. That's a lie. I promise that's a lie because I've also experienced some of the greatest Christians dealing with great tragedy. The great reversal is not that all things will be magically better now. They will in eternity, but not now. The great reversal is that in the midst of your worst days, you can still have joy, peace, hope, love, forgiveness, all those things that we need on our hardest days. Apart from Jesus, there's no reversal. And your worst days will simply be your worst days. And there will be no hope and no joy and no peace and no love. But the church stuff, I love this. Your status here in this church and in the church is not based on what the world has based status on, you know, before Jesus. And this is a very real reversal in the history of the world. I mean, before Jesus, like your wealth and your family line pretty much dictated whether or not you were seen as an important person or not an important person. It was pretty universal. That's just the way cultures thought about people. There was a caste system. You were in this one, this one, or this one, and that was just it for you. But then Jesus showed up on the scene and started loving these people that the world had deemed unlovable. And what has happened over time is that the church, and it fails at this at certain points, but the church has tried to hold on to this great reversal. It does not matter what kind of job you have when you leave this place. It does not matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you make or don't make. It doesn't matter how good looking or not good looking you are. It doesn't matter how people treat you when you're, when you're gone from here. In this church, and hopefully in the church as a whole, your status is not based on those things. 
Your status is not based on anything. We love you. We look at your worth and your value. We want to put you in positions to serve. We want to connect with you. We want to do, we just want to do life with you because that's what Jesus did with people. And it was not based on, you know, how much they could do or how much, you know, their talents or whatever. It's just based on Jesus' love for humanity. I mean, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. If you've come here today and you feel like the world just doesn't care about you, well, that's fine because Jesus has done a great reversal. And in this place, at least, we value you tremendously. And then there's the eternity stuff, which you probably think of. I mean, when we go to heaven someday, there's going to be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. Everything that you hate right now, I hurt both elbows playing basketball the other day. Statistically, very unlikely. I'm gonna be able to play basketball in heaven and not hurt my elbows. You know, it's, I know it's weird, but, but like when we get to heaven, you're not gonna worry about your finances and you're not gonna worry about the, the bad relationships in your life and you're not gonna feel the pains and the aches that you feel right now and, and you're not gonna feel the sorrow that you feel. There will be no more death. It will be the completion of the great reversal. And it's all because Jesus was born. Jesus' birth brought a great reversal. Since his conception, he has been changing lives and he wants to change yours too. Your strife can be turned to peace. Broken can be turned to whole. Sorrow to joy, worthless to valued, fear to peace, dread to hope, sinful to forgiven, dead to alive, damned to exalted. The birth of Jesus brought about a great reversal. And I hope we'll bring one about in you. I'll tell you in my own personal life, and I'll end with this. I don't know. (laughs) No, I do know. I would be, I would be, a wretch of a person if Jesus had not come to this earth. I'll just tell you, I mean, I would, <laughs> I, I would just be sinning all the time. I would look at women with an utter lack of respect. There is no way that I would have stayed married. There is no way that I would have found hope and peace and joy through some of the things that I have gone through. There is no way I don't think that I would have survived my childhood in any healthy way. But, but, but Jesus came to earth. And that's why I celebrate Christmas and I hope it's why you will celebrate too. The birth of Jesus brought a great reversal. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming. You know, I mean, I'm not giving lip service to the, the change that you've made in my life. I, I can't imagine. It's almost scary to imagine who I would be, where I would be, God, if it wasn't for you and the work that you've done in me. And it's all work that stems from, from you being conceived of a virgin, born in a stable, laid in a manger, God. I pray that every person, God, that is here this morning, every person who is listening online and those who will listen online later uh, would give their lives to you if they haven't. They would be humble enough that they would fear you in such a way, God, that they they would look at the gospel that I have presented this morning, that you died for our sins and came back to life, and they would accept that gift and then give you themselves, God. And by that, Lord, take on a new life that is reversed, Lord, like a Hallmark movie. I pray, Jesus, for those of us that, that do love you, that gave our lives to you, maybe you know, last week, maybe years ago, Lord, I pray that we, God, would live 
as though our fortunes have been reversed because they have, that this Christmas we would have joy and peace and hope and love because we know that you came to earth, God. Lord, I pray that in the next three days and always, Lord, that we would be a people that would glorify you because you came to reverse our fortunes. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.